Hi, we're the Rices. We've been married for 12 years. We have six kids from the ages of nine to zero, and we're full of passion to raise a household that serves and honors the Lord. And we want to encourage others to do the same. podcast. We are so excited because today we are starting a two-part podcast on the war on manhood and the war on womanhood. And like we do so often here, it really is just our heart to bring to your mind the things that are on our mind, the (laughs) things that we notice in the world as we approach our marriage and friendships and our walk with God and parenting our children, most importantly, all through a biblical worldview. This is really something that we've noticed, that we've heard a lot of people talk about, that we have read some books on, and we just want to make sure that it's something that you guys are aware of, and then hopefully give you some some tools and some ideas of how to handle some of the sometimes pretty touchy subjects or terms or different things that come up. And most importantly, like we always do, to address some of the character traits that we should really be focusing on as we are raising our children, both our boys to be men and also our daughters to be looking for a strong Christian man. Yeah, today we get to kind of focus in on the war on manhood. And as Darren mentioned, there are so many books out there. Obviously, there's the Bible, which is the best book, and we really are committed to making these podcasts between 20 and 30 minutes so that it can be kind of a spark or a conversation starter. Never will it be um, all-encompassing by any means, but we just hope that this will kind of propel the conversation as we talk about our convictions, the character traits, and the challenges surrounding an issue like manhood. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, first off, we want to address our conviction. And so to state it somewhat simply, we would cite Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God makes a distinction. God makes men and women in his image, but he makes a distinction between men and women. And so that's our conviction, is that that is with purpose, that there is a purposeful difference between men and women. And the second part of that conviction being that God, in his word, describes the attributes that men, specifically, should pursue and exhibit. So if you're a wife listening to this or a mother listening to this, why do you think it would be important for you to learn about and to... Um, focus on manhood when clearly you're the female part of the equation. Well, we may be raising boys, like Darren said earlier. We also may be raising future brides, future wives, future mothers who may have boys. It's really important to know both sides of the coin in this circumstance, both male and female, because in order to play both roles well and biblically, you got to know where how the Lego f- pieces fit together. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> you have to, I think, encourage 
and know what to encourage in your boys and know how to encourage your daughters to look for a biblical man. Those things are important because not, not intentionally maliciously, but just by default as men and as women, we want to um, promote those things that are innate within us that are part of the way that God made us either male or female. And so it is important to teach like as a man to teach our daughters to be strong, but we don't want to teach them to be strong in the way that we teach our boys to be strong. I love that. Yes. You both can possess the same character qualities. Like the first one we're going to talk about is courage. Right. Both men and women should have courage and should embrace courage and walk courageously. But to think about it in the man's eyes of courageousness is different than to think about it in the women's eyes. Right, yeah. As, as men, we're called to be defenders, to protect our home. And that takes courage, maybe in a different way than we would expect our daughter to display courage. That is a manly courage. And we are also called to be and they, they start to blend together, but we're called to be leaders in the church. And that takes courage in a different way to stand up, not only for your own beliefs and your own convictions, but to lead God's people in those convictions and in the face of persecution. Yeah, it says in 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. Could you read this verse and apply it both to man and woman? Absolutely, and we should. However, how it plays out due to the unique giftings that God has given both men and women, it just looks different. Right, and there's there's a real um, need for men to be raised, or if you are a man and you're listening to this podcast, to walk out in through the Holy Spirit a courageous life, to not bow down to the first whim that comes along, to not be weak, but to be strong and to lead courageously. And these character traits that we're going to talk about here as we move through them are all, uh, we want to be applying them through a biblical worldview. And so an example of this would be it, it might be courageous to lead a group of men into battle, but that is not necessarily biblical. Now, it can be biblical. David was courageous, right? And led the Israelites against the Philistines many times. We've been learning about that at church again. But it is not necessarily a worldly definition of courageous that we're after. But it is a biblical definition of courageousness, both spiritually, I would say, and physically, my point being, you can be a courageous man. You could be a SEAL or an Army Ranger or a police officer or a firefighter, like any number of these professions where you act courageously. And I would say that is a biblical courageousness, but it also needs to be paired with a biblical spiritual courage. Yeah, I mean, the most meek 
appearance, the most meek um, man that you know can show courageousness mm. as they stand for the faith. Here's an example. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was not a warrior, a weightlifter, a manly, macho man, but he was courageous in jail, continuing to write and encourage to his family and to pastors to keep the faith and to not become subject to or bow down to Hitler's regime in Germany, but to stand on the truth of scripture instead. So practically, how does this play out within our family? We do teach both our boys and our girls to have courage. We tell them this motto that we have courage over comfort, that we need to do what is right over what is fun and what is easy. And so how does that look? Well, maybe when there's conflict among siblings, we call them aside and we say, hey, what did you choose here? Did you choose to do what was right? Or did you choose to do what was fun or easy? And instead of just, like, in addition to, I should say, pointing out sin, because we all have sinful hearts, right? Mm -hmm. We talk about the character quality that is being developed when we choose to stand for righteousness. When we choose to stand up for another sibling, maybe when they are being teased or in a group setting, considering those that are with, um, without a friend, you know, that takes courage to think of others, to put yourself aside and put the needs of others first. Yeah. Courage doesn't look like always look like taking up a sword and cutting off someone's head. Right. Although that must have taken David a lot of courage as a young boy to do. Right. But courage also looks like Jesus where he would heal the leopards. Right. And granted, Jesus, I mean, we are all trying to obtain that, yeah. that character quality. But just it can look uh, soft, quote unquote, in the world's eyes, mm -hmm. or it can look strong, quote unquote, in their world's eyes. It's both courage. Yeah, you bring forth a lot of good points. One of them really being that in defining manhood and in defining biblical masculinity, we should look to Christ. Christ is an example of courage. He's an example of telling the truth. He's an example of all of these character traits that we're going to address today briefly. And we need to, in that vein, have a well-balanced, full biblical picture of who Christ is. I think sometimes in our current Christian culture, we've made Christ more effeminate and less courageous and less strong and less um, sacrificially leading. We, we put all the emphasis on the sacrifice and the compassion and the, the meek and mild, which is a part of biblical masculinity. But we need to not neglect, neglect the courage and the truth and the leadership and the strength because the truth is, if you don't, if you only possess one, then that, you don't see the strength. Um, let's see if I can say that again. Sorry. If you are, if you have a person that doesn't have courage and is just mild and meek, then they don't seem to encompass the whole strength of manhood. Right. Where if you have the courage and the meekness, you have that balance 
you really can see the full beauty, which yeah. is a funny word to use for manhood. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you're trying to say the, the vice versa. If you have only the courage and the truth and the leadership and the strength, and you have no compassion, generosity, integrity, or sacrifice, then it, it is also unbalanced. It's unbalanced towards the harder qualities, not the, the more soft qualities. And so these things go hand in hand when we're talking about a biblical manhood. And so let, let's kind of touch on some of these other character traits that I've thrown out here. Truth. Truth and integrity go together. They're both on our list. I think it's essential in the world today that men both tell the truth and are willing to stand up for the truth. And the integrity piece really being taking a hold of and owning your own actions and telling the truth about your own actions. All of these elements are tremendously important, especially in the world we live in today, where that truth-telling, that truthfulness, what is the truth, is all really being pushed by the wayside. It's interesting. Isaac Toplin always says this. He's like, is your words as good as gold to yourself? Like, not just to others, but to yourself, too. Is what you are saying being followed through on? Do you have integrity of words as you are saying it both to others and to yourself? Yeah, super important. If you don't take yourself seriously, if you don't believe what if you don't believe what you say, yeah, then how can anybody else count on you? And this is an encouragement to both mothers and fathers, too, as we were teaching our kids to have integrity, especially our young boys, being able to um, confess sin and be truthful with their actions, that we also must lead in that way. I get mortified every time I have to do this because I just feel like a failure, but it is more um, instrumental in my teaching and in my um, developing of my kids when I can confess to them, mm -hmm. wow, mom real lost her self-control there. And I will tell them the heart issue that I'm struggling with. I'm struggling with this. Da, 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 da. You know, will you forgive me? And is that hard to confess? Absolutely. But does it show integrity to own up to what I'm doing? I hope so. Yeah. Or like we've talked about before, when you have to come back to your kids and say, all right, so sadly, mom and dad have let this behavior or that follow through, like fall by the wayside. And, and we, we haven't been providing good discipline and instruction and we're going to be changing. And that, you know, that approaching that in that humble way shows the integrity. Hello, we want to interrupt this podcast today to let you know that it is brought to you by Heritage Home Family Farm, a Christian family seeking to bring a legacy of flavors to your table. This family is passionate about building the family culture and making homemade with ease. They have a series of spices, loose leaf teas, and baking mixes available to make delicious, clean, and easy homemade food at your table and in your kitchen a possibility in today's busy world. Find out more at heritagehomefamilyfarm.com.
Okay, let's talk about this next one. I know it's funny that I'm going to be leading off with this next character <laughs> quality. But leadership is so huge. And um, maybe it is fitting that I share because growing up, um, and at least when Jerry and I were first married, I struggled severely with letting him lead. I kind of, you know, public school, strong-minded person I was, was convinced that um, I was just as needed or equal. My, my impression of equal was not God's equal, mm. right? Like God created male and female. He created the head and the helper. And they're both equal in value, just different in role. But I was convinced that as a woman that I, I needed to be the same as in the leadership. Well, here's the truth. <laughs> you can't have two leaders, yeah. right? Like, just like in war, you can only have one general. Someone has to make the call. And, it, you know, when I say that out loud here on the podcast, sometimes my inner being just cringes. It's like, oh, people are going to be like, oh, that's offensive. Or I can't believe she said that. So offensive. Well, that is the world I grew up in. And I'm sure that's the world that some of you grew up in as well. Thinking that in order to be equal, we needed to be equal in role. But, you know, let's find out in the business world is how many CEOs are there of a company? Usually one, right? How about in the animal kingdom? <laughs> who's on tap? Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's one lion who's the head of the pride. And wolf packs, right? Oh, yeah, there's yes, one alpha. Yes, our dog is struggling with that to figure out who the <laughs> alpha of our family is. Yeah. I just say all these things to say this isn't abnormal. You know, like God's creation is a creation of order. Yes. And so is the marriage. So is the family. So is the church. And it's okay for us to say that. It's okay that it's countercultural. And it is okay and right and fitting that we teach our kids that too. Now, I'm going to throw out one more thing and then I'm going to let Darren talk because he's so good at um, making sure we stay stay the course here. But we, It's leadership. It's leadership. <laughs> I was joking. Uh, but no, no, it's good. We've been um, allowing our boys, our, we have three boys. They are not um, the oldest of our kids as a girl, actually. And so um, it's kind of a unique balance with our oldest being a girl and me obviously being the mom and like home a lot with the boys but we've been trying our best to find opportunities for them to have responsibilities and leadership in certain areas where they can explore learn challenge themselves to be the leader in that way and you know what sometimes it takes me reminding my oldest daughter hey you know they're the leader we need to learn to submit and to heed their lesson and sometimes it's the holy spirit knocking on my heart saying Marissa, this is the chance for your boys to start to learn how to be a leader because to be a biblical man is to be a leader. Yeah, and I think the challenging thing in this world and the thing that we really had to work through too in our life and in our marriage together is finding the way towards that leadership where I guess because of the world that we live in, or even like you said, like, oh, I feel nervous to kind of say that because, you know, somebody's going to be offended. It It is challenging even when the the role of leader is verbally expressed or the, the headship in the marriage or in the family is verbally expressed. It is, it, it takes a journey 
to walk out and be confident in leadership without kind of that like emotional underpinning of wondering if you were still keeping everybody happy. And I think it's it's converting that to really be a heart of service and a heart of compassion and a heart of love towards those you are leading while still not kind of tiptoeing around your leadership, hoping that you're, you're not offending somebody in the process of leading. It's like the difference between dictatorship and humble leadership. Right. Right. And like dictatorship has no qualms about, you know, hurting walk, whoever. Yeah. Walking yeah. all over these people. Right. Right. But humble leadership is taking into account those in your family, those you're that leading. you're leading. Yeah. yeah. The most, like Darren said earlier, consider Christ. Right. His leadership led him to die for those that he loved. Right. But you don't want to also be in another situation like the, then the opposite end of the dictatorship is like the puppet leadership. Right. Where, America. you know, I wasn't going to say that. But <laughs> yes. Like, like our current sitting president who seems like, who is really in charge? Because it sure doesn't seem like he is, but he's still the one up on the podium saying whatever. But it doesn't seem like it's coming from the person who's the stated leader. And here's the thing, is that the leaders of the family, just like everyone else, is going to have to <coughs> hold responsibility. But they're going to get to heaven one day. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have to give an account for their leadership. We have to prepare them to know that their leadership matters. And that it takes our next character quality, strength. And not just physical strength, although men definitely uh, possess more physical strength than women. And I, I, if you disagree with me, come on over to our farm and I will let you do Darren's job. (laughs) I'm just saying, it takes strength, both physical, mental, emotional, spiritual strength Mm -hmm. to lead. Yeah, it's, it's not without fortitude yes there this world that we live in that will not allow weakness in leadership it does not allow weakness in truth it does not allow weakness in compassion right the strength is essential and that strength only comes from god that strength isn't from our own hands or from our own doing or from our own intestines It is from God. And so as men and as men who are raising men and moms who are raising men, it's important that we teach our kids to rely on the strength of the Lord and that we teach them to stand firm on that strength. You know, it's a good lesson because, I mean, Darren probably, well, he's shaking his head because I know he knows what I'm going to say. But if you rely on your own strength, you will fall hard. Oh, yeah. So hard and so fast. And sometimes our boys need to see that, yep. you know, sometimes they need to try to do something on their own and then they, and realize that they just can't because just like when the Holy Spirit comes into to convert you into a true believer, right. that strength that he gives you is truly supernatural. Right. And we're not talking about go lifting up and bench press and elephants here, right? We're talking about being able to stand against persecution 
being able to stand for what is right when your family has to make a countercultural decision. Right. To that, be able to be content with anything. Like, it's the true application of Philippians 4. Yeah. Where Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the kind of strength we're talking about. Now, let's talk about the next one. You might think it's like the complete opposite of strength, but it actually takes a lot of strength to do this. Right. And it's compassion. Yeah, it's so important that in our formulation of biblical manhood, that we do not forget the model of Christ. Christ didn't come to the earth swinging a sword and destroying Rome. But he did destroy Rome. He destroyed Satan and his plans, right? Mm -hmm. But he did it with tremendous compassion towards the people, the people of Israel and the Gentiles and all of those that he was around, right? But never did he compromise the truth in his compassion. I think it's really important that we hold on to biblical definitions of these character traits as we're going through, right? So if you have questions about them, like look it up in your concordance and go read scriptures that use these terms and it's going to help you to define those things. And then the application of them should never contradict another biblical or scriptural principle. And compassion is formed out of love. Right. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. I mean, praise the Lord for that. And wow, that's a lot of love right there. So we need to teach our men, our boys, all of our children, that with compassion is to love others as Christ loves them. That doesn't mean letting them sit in their sin. Christ doesn't love that. But Christ loves caring for and sheltering and supporting both your community members within your church, those neighbors around you, and anyone that will seek to hear and accept the love and compassion of Christ. Yeah, I mean, he never minced words. He never let people go, um, you know, free in their sin. He always would, in compassion, in love, try to point them the right way and call them to himself. Next, it's important that we teach our boys and raise them up in generosity. Because Christ has so richly blessed us, God has so richly blessed us through Christ, how much more should we be generous to those around us? And then also the New Testament repeatedly admonishes us to bear one another's burdens and to, um, Paul Paul talks about giving the ox who treads the grain, like don't muzzle him, but to give to the people who are doing the work. And so as people do the work of the ministry, do the work of the church and, and shepherding God's people, it's important that we're generous to them also. And generosity obviously incorporates financial generosity, um, but also the generosity of your time, mm-hmm. of your resources, of your skills. Um, another character quality, quality that we're going to talk about is serving and sacrificing. That is all also hand-in-hand hand with generosity, looking for those in need, whether that's even people within your own family. Right. Taking care of and serving is a form of leadership. Yeah. 
They all, like you said earlier, they all go together because they're all qualities of God. And it's important that they all go together. Yeah. That, that, that you're not neglecting one part or another. And I think that is especially important when it comes to service and sacrifice. Because Jesus gave us such an awesome example of service and sacrifice from washing the disciples' feet to his death on the cross. I don't think there's any greater example of service and sacrifice than Christ. But we have to make sure that in the family structure that there is, and the same with Jesus, we would never have a relationship with Jesus where we just expected him to wash our feet all the time and never glorified and honored him for his leadership and his courage and his truth and his strength and his compassion. And I think the same is goes in our families. If the only character trait that we focus here is service and sacrifice, then we raise boys who are servants and they don't have an opportunity to develop the other biblical traits of manhood, like leadership and strength and courage, because those things are practiced both washing the feet of your brothers and sisters and leading them into battle. So good. It reminds me of like a wheel. And I think I, uh, when we were talking, Darren and I were talking about like habits and vision and stuff for our family. We talked about a wheel as an analogy too. And so this kind of fits in with both as we're going to talk about manhood and womanhood. But if you picture a wheel and the spokes all leading towards the hub and the hub is Christ and this is your manhood wheel, if your spokes are super long in service, but tiny little little in courage, you're going to have one lopsided wheel and you're not going to go anywhere. Right. It is important to make sure that you are focusing on <laughs> strengthening all of the areas of your spokes, right? All of the character qualities. And that's an encouragement to parents to know, hey, you know, we need to make sure that we are focused on many areas, not just hounding one. Now we're going to move into quickly, well, not so quickly because we're passionate about this subject, but about some of the challenges that we face both in this world, in parenting, in ways that we need to combat or stand for the truth behind biblical manhood. Yeah, man, the world is full of challenges, particularly in this area. And I think that it's telling of how important the role of men and women is and the role of marriage is. And like Paul talks about that it's mysteriously a picture of Christ and the church. How important that is because the devil seeks so hard to destroy it. And I think that mankind in his sinful flesh through the temptation of the devil has really presented some major challenges to biblical manhood in the world today and without god we wander into all kinds of sinful ideas but i think to really face men specifically and that is the our heart desire our sinful fleshly desire of selfishness and the easy life right our our 
flesh wants to be passive and wants to be self-gratifying. And I think that those are major risks because every character trait we talked about is opposite of those. And I think the second thing that really is a challenge that's just put in our face constantly by the world is the denial that there's two genders made differently for different roles with different strengths that are both made in the image of God, but the world denies that. It's so funny. I was just talking to my friend, Stephanie. Stephanie, if you're listening, and sorry, I forgot to ask your permission, but she has three girls and then she has a boy. And she texted me the other day and she says, boys are so different. Oh yeah. She says, I didn't teach my boy to say vroom, vroom, vroom with the car. He just picked it up and started saying vroom, vroom, vroom in the dirt with the car. <laughs> and I just laughed. And the girls would never do that. But the world somehow thinks that they're all non-binary creatures at birth. You just said the word that we're going to get like <laughs> X now on our podcast. But listen, the truth is that doesn't mean all boys fit into one like box. They're not all no. cookie cutter, right? No. Same with girls. I was most definitely a rough and tumble girl for a little while, but that doesn't negate how I was created differently. I remember I wanted to play football so bad. I wanted to be on that team. My parents, in middle school, mind you, and my parents said, nope, nope, that's a game for boys. I went to my first football game, and I realized real fast why they said no. <laughs> and, you know, I say these things jokingly because sometimes it feels like the world has gone crazy and you have to make jokes in order to get through some of these ideologies that are coming up. But listen, in the Bible, and our pastor talked about it today, if you live a delusional life, and you are convinced that that delusional life is true. And I'm not just talking you, about gender here. I'm talking about any delusional sin. Right. Right. And you deny God and his truth. Yes. Then God, in his righteousness. In his judgment. In, right. Righteous judgment. Yes. Will give you over to your delusion, to your darkness, to your sin. Right. As a judgment to you. And you know what that leads to? death more delusion yeah <laughs> and death ultimately yeah and separation from christ and what a dark delusion we live in now exactly what i'm saying yes yeah such a dark delusion and that's one of the things is that now feminine traits in men is the preferred profile that that, that is the that is the advertised celebrated preferred profile for manhood is not masculine is not strong or courageous or leading it's submissive and effeminate and weak and we so as we raise men and as we seek to live out a biblical manhood we are walking in complete opposition to the culture to what is celebrated or accepted today and that really leads to an issue where we have a lot of confusing definitions. They just get thrown all around our culture, including definitions like toxic masculinity or patriarchal. Those things get derogatory terms right. attached to them. And we have to be careful 
to define terms biblically and then to also live them out biblically. Because can you be toxically masculine? Well, I would argue that you're not really being masculine if you're leaving out the compassion Mm -hmm. and the service and the love then you're not really being masculine, but you are portraying a toxic imbalance of masculine traits. Yes, yes of you course. Saying toxic, toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> For both ends, is what I'm trying to say. Right. The crazy, like, abusive dictator personality yep. and the feminine. Non-barren, binary, bisexual... That's also toxic masculinity because it's not masculinity, masculine. Right. And so, or even patriarchy, patriarchy is a term that's been used and abused even in Christian circles where men have an imbalance of godly and biblical traits and no submission to a biblical authority. And then in turn, have abusive relationships in their leadership but the bible you could argue would be for a biblical patriarchy yeah don't let these words that have been swayed into our thinking from the culture right to manipulate and get you not to be the biblical man right like don't let those words deteriorate what god set forth what his precedent is for men Right. And so our ultimate challenge is this. We have to use the Bible as a mirror to reflect ourselves and look at our own life. And we also have to use the Bible as a window to identify the lies that are constantly promoted in the world around us. And they're everywhere. I remember back in Portland before we moved here to Idaho, I was trying to encourage my young boys to hold the door open for a lady. And I cannot even tell you, I bit my tongue so hard because that lady was offended, offended that a five-year-old boy would hold the door open for her because we have been so swayed into our thinking that that is disrespectful. I mean, how can it be disrespectful? But in our culture that we want to have the same role we now degrade and diminish the compassion and the servanthood and the leadership and the courageousness that God has designed men to do. Yeah. So our challenge to you really is this. We want to challenge you to raise boys that carry these masculine traits, biblical masculine traits. And if you're a man and you're listening, I would challenge you to read the New Testament, read the letters that Paul writes to the churches, read the letters that he writes to his fellow pastors, Timothy and Titus, read those letters and challenge yourself. Look in the mirror and by the Holy Spirit, identify areas of growth and grow in these biblically masculine traits. And raise your boys in them. Moms, encourage these things when you see them. And also teach your girls what to be looking for in a biblical man. 
teach your kids the roles of men and women, how God created them, and what traits that they should exhibit. And if we are here next week, because we have not been censored for using these, um, what, coined phrases. Controversial opinions. Yes. We are excited to talk about the war on womanhood and how these both connect together, how both are needed for the gospel and how we're both needed for the success of our legacy. Thank you so much. We hope that you had a great week. Mm -hmm.